we're, I want to jump straight in. We're in part four of our series on the kingdom. And uh, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about where we've gone. But this is, this is really part two of the last message that I preached. And we're looking at how do you release the kingdom. You know, we, we, the first session that Bruce did and then the second session that I did, we're trying to paint a big picture that um, in the simplest forms that our mandate is to be partners with God, co-workers with God to bring heaven to earth. How many of you can say amen to that? How many of you understand that what a mandate we have? That's something that stirs me very deep on the inside, which is one of the reasons why we're going after this, um, this huge mandate. And in the last session and in today, the goal is to try and make it more bite-sizable. Like, man, that's awesome and lofty and amazing. And maybe that's just for people that are, are just intense like Bruce Billington or amazing like Paul in the Bible. And these, we're really trying to say, listen, this is not just available for the, the superheroes, which, which in reality, how many of you know that the superheroes other than Superman is not really a superhero? And, and we, want to, we want to, as a people of faith in this community, step out as much as we possibly can into the fullest expression of what God has designed for you to step into to release heaven on earth. And so that's, that's, what, that's what this series is designed to do to help, help us wrap our heads around some of that. So as always, I need to start with my story. Um, I, I, and it might seem like I don't love my other children, and I want to promise you I love Alexa and Bennett just as much, if not more, than Archer. Archer is just probably the one who gets the stories because God wants to embarrass him more. I don't know. I just, I don't know why, but I promise I love my other children as well. But Archer is, um, I, he, Archer is one of my heroes. I think he's a superhero. I tell him all the time, I think he's a genius. I don't think he or Angie believes me. But Archer has been um, through a journey in faith, and he's only five, but he has been, he's been learning how to pray really powerfully. But just as this, this is just a dad bragging moment of just, I'm so excited. This is not the story, but he came home from school the other day and he's like, dad, I told my friends about God. I was like, my man, we're going to get a call from the principal, you know, like we're going to be in trouble. And I said, well, tell me, what did you say? And he's like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. And he just, and then he said, well, I talked to them about praying because we pray a lot and we read the Bible. And, and I said, okay, tell me, awesome. Tell me more. And he said, well, well, they didn't say anything. And I said, okay, well, what did you do? Well, I just kept talking about it. And I said, oh, he's like, dad, I'm a preacher like you. He's like, we're, we're both telling people about God. I'm like, my gosh. So he's, he's going to be concluding our series on the kingdom next week. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, his, his take on it, but I want to share just a little insight. So the story about Archer is, is in one of our prayer times. And so um, how many of you prayed with your parents when you were, I don't know, when you were a youngin? I prayed with my dad. But w- when I was, and this is no indictment on my dad, but when we prayed, we prayed the same prayer every night. It was like, God, please help. And then, like, we had a huge list of, like, Uncle Brian, Aunt Julie, you know, Cousin David, Cousin Trevor, you, you know, like every great aunt and uncle. And we just had this huge list. And I'd remembered it so quick. It's been a while since I've said that specific prayer. But it would just be like, our prayers would be like, amen. Like, I got so good at repeating these things. Can I just tell you, that is not how Archer prays. If you want somebody to invite heaven to earth, come and invite Archer to come and lead your prayer meeting. So 
what he what he's he's currently praying is one of his favorite stories is Moses. And so we've really gotten to know the whole story of of every aspect of it. And he he understands like what the blood on the doorpost means from the blood of the lamb. And and so I just I'm gonna try and just pray in the way that Archer prays and just just to encourage you, and then I do have a point to the story of where I'm going. He says, God, we Will you send every single one of your angels? I'm not bold enough to pray prayers like that. This is, but he's, will you send, bring the little ones, bring the middle ones, bring the biggest ones. Don't let a single crack be, and, and this, that's where his English fails and it doesn't make sense. Don't let a single crack break through. And then he says, God, will you put your blood on the doorposts now? Jesus says, I'm speaking now. He says, no bad dreams, no bad thoughts, no bad looks now. Even while I'm praying right now, let it happen. No bad looks. Jesus, your blood is going up there right now. Jesus, your angels have come right now. Now. The authority that that boy carries. My prayers are like, God, if you, if you want to just send an email to one of your angels, anyone would be fine. You maybe give him a memo. I may need some help in a couple hours. You know, like I'm going to give him time to, I'm telling you the faith, there's, there's something powerful that how many of you know that it says in the kingdom, you have to enter as a child to receive the kingdom this morning. The, 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 the word on my heart is, is it's a one word uh, sermon and it's a really early lunch today. It's assignment. It's the word assignment. You have a now kingdom assignment. You have a now kingdom assignment. It is released now, not for tomorrow, not in a couple hours, not in a little while, not next year, but now. Ephesians 2.10, which we could just camp on for a long time and still be fed for it, fed by it. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word assignment means a task or piece of work allocated to someone as part of a job or a course of study. What does that mean? You you have allocated, meaning specific to you, work, something to do of kingdom business right now. When it says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, you have, you, well, first of all, you are his work. How many of you know we're not his work to just wait to go back to him? When you create something, it has a function, it has a purpose, and we've talked a lot about this. But you have work to do. That's one of the most exciting things that I could possibly think of in a world where Christianity has absolved all of the work that has been put on its plate to do. And we see people rising up in all sectors and all spheres of life that understand this concept that don't know the King of Kings. When we're diving into this topic, it's to recognize that my assignment, and we're going to break down what this idea is, my assignment is not meant for tomorrow. Because there's an, can I, can I promise you, you have an assignment tomorrow as well? You have a kingdom now assignment. We are his work prepared to do work. You've got a job to do. And we'll unpack some of that later. We are talking about how to outwork the kingdom. And how many of you remember, and it's okay if you don't, the two major points that we, that we preached on a, maybe about three weeks ago now. We had a, such an encouraging time from the Tonga team. We had Pete Hampson from Masterton Community Church come and share a good word about seasons. 
But there was, there was two things, and we didn't get to the third one. But this, this sermon was a unique one, that it's not just three nice points, like, yep, I've got, I understand point number one, yep, I understand point number two, but this, there's a cycle. I, do we have the cycle slide, possibly? Hmm. The first phase in the cycle is what? Is that how the kingdom works in our lives is that the kingdom is inside out. How many of you remember what that means is that it happens in us before it's going to come out of us. And if you're not working the kingdom within you, if you're not experiencing the transformation within you, when we have beautiful dreams and we have a passion burning on our heart, it will be very difficult to affect change or to release the kingdom on the outside if it hasn't been percolating away and working on the inside first. Kingdom of God is inside out. We talked about the whole idea that the Pharisees said, where is this kingdom you keep talking about, Jesus? And what does Jesus say? The kingdom is in your midst. It's within you. You're looking too far if you're looking for it to express itself. The second phase, which everybody loves, to get up at four in the morning and begin training. It's been a long time since I've done a run. I think I was in senior in high school. Training. Training is not fun. Can, I, can we just like, oh man, training's, ooh. How many of you know we need to develop? We need to train. We need to be stretched. We need to grow to see what God wants to do come to fruition. There's, there's a principle um, that I've heard recently that I'm like, ooh, it's painful, but it's so good. There, uh, Dennis Peacock is famous for saying, you know, when people come up and they say, hey, I, I would like a mentor, Dennis, like, do you think I need one? And he would ask them, well, what is it that you want to do? What, what is it that you want to accomplish? And if they tell him, you know, I just want to be really, you know, like a light in my community or whatever it is, he's like, well, I, I would suggest that you, you possibly don't need a mentor if that's just what you're endeavoring to do. And, and the, whole, the whole point of that is what are you endeavoring to do? Can you do it within your own strength? Can you currently do it at the level of fitness that you are at right now? And then you'll keep reproducing the same results that you've been producing at the level that you're at right now. And I'm not saying that's a bad level. It's really not. We've talked that this is not a salvation issue. Man, we, like, that's not salvation. But how many of you know that where my pain, where where my burden comes from is how much pain I've seen in the world? And and I'm not going to be content to stay the level that I'm currently at because I want to meet more and more and more of that, that need that heaven is. When it says in heaven that there's no more weeping, I want to see more of that manifest here on earth. So, so when we talk about training, I just remember we talked about run in such a way as to get the prize. And we talked about we, we can't be enamored with the discipline side of training. We need to be enamored with what you attain when you put that work in. So the cycle, and, and I can't reinforce enough that this is a cycle. There's not, there's not a certain point where you've like, I've got the kingdom enough inside of me. We're good to go. It's going to continue to be worked in you. It's going to continue to be developed in you. The training never finishes. How many of you know people still pull in front of you in the parking lot in the warehouse? Like, God is still going to keep developing you until your response to them, you get out and you say, can I pray for you? Because the Bible says to pray for your enemies. Right? You're going to continue in this process. We're up to point number three this morning. Point number three this morning is you have a now kingdom assignment. You have a now kingdom assignment. So this morning, 
what a now kingdom assignment is, and as we unpack it in different ways, this is the allocated work of business, kingdom business, that God has for you right now, today. The job that you have of those good works that we read about in Ephesians. So we're going to try and just look at a couple of uh, a couple of circumstances, one from the Bible and one not from the Bible, around this process of being the kingdom. Because the, the point that I, that I unfortunately, I don't know if you get most excited about, but I get most excited about is this point, today's, today's point, the point of release. The point of seeing the kingdom come to earth. Seeing heaven released. Like, working it out in me is not as fun. It hurts, and, like, I really still am mad at that guy in the parking lot, you know? Like, God, I'd rather not deal with that, but I want to see peace come in this city. Well, there's some problems. He's wanting to work it out in you first. The training is, again, it's not the most fun part. The most fun part is the release of the kingdom. And so that's where we're at today. We're going to start with the Apostle Paul, and we're going to focus mostly on his conversion story. So excuse me for a little bit of scripture as we start, and then we'll dive into it. Acts chapter 8, and I'm going to skip around just a little bit just to reinforce what's happening. And Saul approved of his execution. What are we learning here? Saul is a bad dude. And whose execution was it? Stephen's. Saul's Saul's a mean guy. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. The only reason I read that scripture out is just to remind ourselves of where Paul was at. How many of you know some of us still stay in that place sometimes? I, when we, in, our, in our nighttime prayers, I'm like, with Archer, you know, if, if I've been too short with my temper or whatever it is, I'm telling him. Daddy still sins sometimes, Archer. God, will you forgive me of my sins? This, this is a process that's continually worked out, and unfortunately, we get all too reminded of it sometimes. And I may be the only one. Acts 9. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he had a a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground... And although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. 
So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately, can we say immediately? And immediately, can we say immediately? And immediately, let's say it one more time. I had to say it just so I could hear that there was, this is excellent. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is, this, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon this name? And has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. (sighs) Big mouthful. When looking at how the kingdom works, before we jump into the now kingdom assignment, I just want to point out steps one and two happening so powerfully in this story. I think probably we can all see point one, the kingdom working inside out. How much... How much did God work in Saul in that first little bit of his life? I mean, he changed him from a murdering, passionate person to somebody that that he just, he did a complete 180. He had to work it out in him first. And one of the points that I just thought was was so important and maybe a word for someone today, that Saul had encountered God, but he still had scales on his eyes. His encounter had already happened, but those scales were still on his eyes. How many of you know we need to push to get those scales removed off our eyes? We have to be obedient to continue removing those scales. And I think it's a process. I think it's, I've spoken about it before, but you know that picture in Narnia where Aslan is ripping off the scales of the dragon of Eustace and he turns into a man. There is a process where we have scales that need to be removed, where we don't see with spiritual eyes, but we see with natural eyes. Number two, point number two in our cycle, that it's training and development. I, I, I mean, God didn't pull any punches with Saul. He's like, I'm going to show you how much you're going to have to pay. Like, thanks, God. That's very inspiring. I'm really ready to now tackle what you have. Many of us, we need to pause and remember the price that Paul had to do if we want to see the rewards that Paul had. So this brings us to point number three. And, and if you can... Try and just rip some of those scales off before we go here. Hear me in the spirit. We need those ears to hear. This is the point where the kingdom is expressed, goes out, is released into the world. And to understand your now kingdom assignment, I just want to break down three things that will help us to identify what our now kingdom assignment is. The first is this, and I'm going to attribute this point to Bruce because he was the one that shared it with me. It is imperative that we have a defining word from God that anchors our direction. Point number one, it is imperative that we have a defining word from God that anchors our direction. What do I mean when I'm saying a defining word of God? I I think 
it's too big of a question to ask somebody, what is your purpose? Why were you made? Like, well, do you want me to talk about, like, why I'm made with my family? Do you want me to talk about what I'm supposed to do in the spiritual? Like, I mean, are you talking about apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist? Are you talking about my natural giftings? What are you talking about, Jesse? Stop asking me those questions. But I want, I want to submit to you that I don't know if you could sum up what your purpose is in a one-sentence one statement. But I believe you can sum up your, pers- your purpose with many defining words. So defining word is this. A defining word from God was when the shepherd boy David was anointed king, when he was still a shepherd boy. A defining word from God was when Joseph, who when he was the youngest of the brothers, had a dream from God that he was going to rule over his brothers. That's a defining word from God. A defining word from God is when Peter, God bless Peter, had, had the name change you're no longer going to be called Simon. You're going to be Peter. I'm going, to, I'm going to release you to lead a really wonderful church. That's a defining word. I don't think that sums up all of Peter's identity and purpose in one thing. But what it does, it's an anchor point, a big anchor point to anchor him in the right direction. To keep him locked and loaded so he knows where potentially the kingdom assignment today might eventuate. Defining word. It is imperative that we have a defining word from God that anchors our direction. A couple of um, personal ones just in here. Bruce always talks about, and, and it's a defining word for him, was that he had prophesied over his life that he is a Caleb and not a Joshua. And so what happens is when he gets into circumstances that would then... Somebody's saying, come and be the Joshua, come and lead. And he's saying, listen, my, my anointing where I, where I work best from the defining word from God that I had is going to help anchor me so that I can see as much kingdom fruit as possible. One of the words that's a defining word over my life, and, and it might seem, ugh, but for me it was so special and so it spoke so deep to me, is that my name is obviously Jesse, hello. And the, the word over me was that I'm going to be the father of many Davids. That has been a defining word for my life. So when I come, when I'm working with people that are not warriors or not worshipers, there's something that happens when there's just like a friction point because it's not releasing the full expression that God would want to do through my life. It's not bad or good. It's just a defining word that helps anchor the direction of where we're going to go. A defining word. And I can't reiterate enough that I, th- I think the purpose question is too big. But how many of you know that there's so many promises that, that include all of us in Scripture? I could go through many defining words over you that apply to all of us. So, so that's not, we, we all have somewhere to start with. But you want to, and we're going to talk about it, unravel the treasure that God has inside of you so you can get more and more specific and so release more and more of the kingdom that he has in you. Your purpose is not a one-sentence statement. Your purpose is, is the beauty of unraveling over a lifetime the defining words that God speaks into you. However, if you try and go and release his kingdom without those defining words, you might find yourself not running in your lane, and you might find yourself bumping up against the same things again and again. And, and it's not because of a bad heart. It's just because you're, you're actually just not in the sweet spot what God created you to be in to then release that sound of the kingdom. This may be overly practical this morning, but we have such a passion to see people release the kingdom now. Defining words are so critical. One, one, one thing, and, and I've touched it a little bit, but 
I, I think it is a fair thing to say, like, Jesse, that's a pretty heavy thing to put on me, like, defining word. Like, I'm just going to take the generic ones in the Bible. How do I know what's specific to me? Can I suggest to you that points one and two may need to be your focus points if, if that is not overly clear to you immediately? That still gives you a now kingdom assignment. What is he working out in you? What is he developing and training you in in points one and two? The more you do this cycle, the clearer and clearer your now kingdom assignment will get. We, we can't just pull a huge piece of heaven down and say, boom, it's done. It's a process that happens over time. The more we get before his face, the more we allow him to work out the things that he's going to, the more that we resist him, the slower the process happens. I want to encourage you. It's available for you. If step three is this releasing point of the kingdom, how many of you know that David would have struggled to slay the giant shortly after he received that anointing as king without that defining word? How many of you know how much Joseph would have struggled in prison and in slavery without the defining word that God gave him? How many of you know that Peter would not have been a happy camper leading the most persecuted church in history without the defining word that was going to be a rock in the middle of that place? Those defining words are not just for like self-ego, therefore they're for self like survival. Because what he's calling you to do, those defining words are going to be an anchor to keep you into place. The defining word for Paul, the artist formerly known as Saul, was this. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. To understand your now kingdom assignment, you need to be connected, or at least in the beginning stages, of, defi- of getting those defining words and how many of you know that I think God is a God of, like, try? So you may be like, I, I believe I've got a defining word. I'm going to step out into this. If you step out and onto that water and you start sinking, you might say, that was more a defining word for Peter. That one didn't work for me this way. Keep, <laughs> go a different direction. I, I think we're, we're too afraid of failure. I think as Christians, we're too afraid of failure. You're too afraid to pray for somebody and they won't get healed. Well, maybe, maybe God's just exercising something else out in you when you're supposed to pray for him. And the next person you pray for is going to be the one that radically encounters the Spirit of God and he comes, and comes on you. What is my point this morning? If you can hear anything in the Spirit, it's to begin moving in your kingdom assignments. Not in the church context, in your life context. There is such a passion that we need to develop to release his kingdom. It will not happen by waiting for it unless the Lord says, wait. Because sometimes he says, wait. I'm not going to, you know, just as much as says, go after it. We need to wait. But too many of us have gotten used to a lifestyle of waiting and not stepping out. And how many of you know that waiting's not really waiting? When you're waiting, there's so many things to do. Like process one and two here. There's always something you can be doing to express the kingdom now. Before we move on to looking at Paul's specific defining word, and we just looked at it and we read it out, there's the the first part of that I just want to pause on for just a little bit. And this is point number two. Go, for you are a chosen instrument of God's too. We need to start filling in the blank. Do you know that you are a chosen instrument of God's too? What to do what? What part of heaven have you been called to release? in your home, in your workplace, in this city. And, and I think we can 
That's, that's huge and that feels too big. But I love Ephesians 2.10, if we rewind to that, which God prepared beforehand. I think sometimes we're like, oh, I just need to discover what I'm called to do. Who in the world knows what that is? God does. He already prepared it for you. He's already made it for you. He's already gone before you and made a way. We actually don't have the hard work to do. We, we have the obedient work to do. To step out into what he's already prepared for us. And I get so much encouragement with the language in scripture here. You are a chosen instrument. And this is not just applicable to Paul. This is applicable to everyone in the body of Christ. Do you know, when when I understand that I'm a chosen instrument, all of my doubts go away because I know if I fail miserably, I know that God's going to keep working it out until I start doing what he's supposed to do. Failure takes on a new thing. It just means I'm learning to get somewhere. When we start to duck out is when we don't see where the end game is. You are a chosen instrument. That's powerful. There's, I, how many of you have seen Taken? The movie Taken? Okay, if you haven't seen it, I apologize because there's a quote from the movie. So pretty much this guy's daughter gets kidnapped by these bad guys in France. And he's like a CIA assassin operative guy that's just like gnarly. And I just want to prophesy his words over you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you're looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Can you... Can you hear in the spirit this morning that we're not just like Christians just hoping God's going to do something. You are a mean, lean, killing machine that God has uniquely equipped from the beginning of time. He's prepared beforehand that you are a chosen instrument to release heaven on this earth. Liam Neeson is awesome. You are so much more awesome in the spirit. What he has equipped for you to do is, is just like that. And the guy on the other end of the phone is like, he's either crazy or he's silly. I don't care. I'm coming after you. I've got a particular set of skills. It's a good movie. All of your life was a lead up to today. And what you encounter today, you are uniquely equipped to do. I just have two two verses. And and again, I'm just, for the sake of time, going to try and move through these. But grace was given each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. These are just passing points. You have enough grace to match your gift. There is enough grace to match your gift. It might be be intimidating to step out and actually start being obedient to when God's been prompting you. This is a word from God for somebody. There's enough grace to match you stepping out into that gift. His grace will cover you. Hebrews 13, 21 says, Now may God equip you with every good thing that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. As much as he will give you the grace, he will also equip you. I think there's too many excuses that we have of why we're not stepping out in that faith, not stepping out in that boldness, and these are just two quick points. There is grace to cover you, and he will equip you. There is grace to cover you, and he will equip you. Go, for you are a chosen instrument of God's. 
Purpose is a mixture of the gifts or abilities, the calling or the dreams and defining words, and faithfulness, stewarding, and obedience. They meet to express and release the part of heaven that God has placed inside of you. How many of you know, I mean, I know, it's too easy to believe that this is just for Paul, and this is just for David, and this is just for Peter, and this is just for Bruce Billington, this is just for C.S. Lewis. That is a lie from the enemy. You need to hear this morning, your call is not their call. Stop comparing yourself to other people's calls. It doesn't diminish the significance of what God can do in and through you. But you are a chosen instrument, and we have to carry ourselves as such. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. That's okay. Get before his face until you find out what you're supposed to do. You're a chosen instrument. We cannot minimize what God can do through us. And it's just, here's a, here's a quick defining word. If anybody wanted a defining word this morning, here you go. Luke 7, verse 28. I tell you, among those born of women, none is greater than John the Baptist. Meaning he's pretty awesome, even more than Liam, Liam Neeson. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Woo! That's very good. It, it's one thing to read that as like part of your scripture reading. Like, good, Luke seven twenty eight. check. You know, in the Bible, you version, it lets you check when you've read scriptures and things. This is not a check moment. This is a, ooh, I need this in my spirit moment. I need, if you need a defining word this morning, can I tell you that whoever is in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptist. Dude did some crazy stuff. I expect everyone in the cafe to be eating locusts after service. Catch in the spirit where we're going. You have, and this is point number three, the last point, you have a now kingdom assignment. Here's a quote from Dennis that I think is just so good. Dennis Peacock. God had intentions for our personal development and work for us to do before we came to earth. When he thought about creating you, And sending you here, he was designing your gifts and personality so as to be able to carry out those assignments. Our job is to discover, confirm, and give ourselves to those assignments. What is your kingdom now assignment? What are you really there to do? What are you really in the places that God has placed you to do? I just really quickly, for the sake of time, and, and I had this whole history lesson for you guys, and Angie said, take it all out. So boring. So I'm taking all of it out. How many of you, th- I thank God for the Angies in your lives. My man. Jason's with me. George Washington Carver was an African-American man born into slavery, and I think his life represents one of the most powerful examples of a living person of how the kingdom can be released in one person. How many of you know if I was born into slavery, I think my life would be very different? But adversity couldn't stop him. What he ended up doing was creating 300 different uses of the peanut. How many of you, can we say peanut? Okay. He he tells of this beautiful story, and he got in trouble with some farmers that he told to plant a bunch of peanuts because it was actually going to regenerate the soil, and they they demolished it by planting too much cotton, and then a disease wiped out all the cotton on their farms in in Missouri where he was planted. Um, 
too many gardening metaphors, so it's just coming out of me, planted. He wasn't planted. He just lived there. And so what happened is they started to get mad at him because there was no commercial use for the peanut and the sweet potato. But we're just going to focus on the peanut because that's where he found more stuff in. And what he said is that he used to wake up at four in the morning before everyone else got, woke up. And he said, I go into the forest where I can hear God and he gives me my orders for the day. There is a now kingdom assignment, but we got to be going after it. One of the things that he said alongside that, he said, all of us are able to enact the change that he's called us to, but we have to be perseverant enough to search after the treasures and unlock them. There's a powerful principle there. The the conversation that he had with God is told like this. He told God, God, why did you make the universe? He said, little man, you're trying way, you're going way above what you can understand. Ask again. He said, God, what is the purpose of man? He said, little man, try again. And he said, God, why did you make the peanut? He said, now you've asked something that I can give you the answers to. And there's, the research is story. It's powerful. And he, he eventually, it says in 10 days, I don't believe they're 10 days, but that's fine. He says he found over 300 derivative products from dyes and silks and all sorts of different things just from the peanut. And 118 more from sweet potatoes. There's a quote from him that I just want to read out that I think is so powerful. He said, man, this is at the age of 63. George Washington Carver said this, man who needed a purpose, a mission to keep him alive had one. He could be God's co-worker. My purpose alone must be God's purpose. As I worked on projects which fulfilled a real human need, forces were working through me which amazed me. You have a now kingdom assignment and you have no idea what that mustard seed principle will do. George Washington Carver revolutionized farming. He revolutionized racial tensions at the time. He was, he was a man far behind, beyond his time because he was faithful to get his now kingdom assignment. Do you know, um, and I'm going to try and land this thing, but I still, I've, I've got a little bit more to impart. Angie back there, now kingdom assignment. What are you really there to do? What are you really placed in your families to do? You know, Angie and me have been wrestling with these things. We've been up very late identifying, God, how can you release us more into this kingdom thing? How can you maximize these things? And, and I started talking, I, I've probably told you portions of the story. Angie's passionate about cleaning. Can I have any amens in the house? Amen. She, Pip is with me. She's passionate about cleaning. And, and I, I talked to her because she had, she had so much passion to make sure that the cleaning got done. And I said, I love the passion that the cleaning got done, but is there more to that? Why do you want it clean? And then she's like, well, you know, I want it clean so that we can have a house where people that are tired and weary and hungry can come in and receive restoration. And this next weekend, we have someone traveling overseas who's going to come. And she specifically said, I'm weary, tired. I need, so I was like, okay, there's one. And then she said, and I also want it to be a house of worship where my kids are worshiping, where I'm worshiping with them. And I said, well, well, are you getting to that? Because you're definitely making sure that it gets clean, but are you getting to the worship side of things? And you know what happened the next couple of days when I came home from work? The house looked as beautiful as ever, but there was a difference. There was worship playing at the time. She was singing while holding Alexa, and the boys were humming the things. She took the next step of saying, God, what am I really here to do? 
Not, not just what we intellectually know we're here to do. I'm here to be a good light. How are you here to be a good light? How are you called to transform the environments that you've put into? What is your now kingdom assignment today? It's not, there, <laughs> there's a word that, that I wanted to share. How many of you, when you go to work, do they just kind of let you do whatever you want? Or, or are there things that they're measuring? How many, how many visits you do? How many, how many things you build? If they, if they contract you to build a house and you haven't built a house, there's a problem, right? I want to put this in your spirits. What has God commissioned you to do at work? What are you measuring? What, what, what are those things that he's saying, cool, I'm glad you hit your numbers there. Have you hit my numbers? And it's not a striving thing. It's, it's a joy to be in the work of the kingdom. But it shifts you to being aware of what your now kingdom assignment is. Paul, and we're going to close. I'm going to ignore these. They're not helping. Do you know what Paul did after those scales came from his eyes? Immediately. Immediately. He went and proclaimed the name of Jesus in the synagogue. It's the word of the Lord this morning. Whatever defining words you have or whatever mixture of defining words you have, your now kingdom assignment is to step out in whatever is available for you to step out today. He went. Do you know he didn't try and get the king? Like he was prophesied he's going to speak to who? The children of Israel, kings, and the Gentiles. He didn't try and get like the king on speed dial. Hey, king, I've just had a word from God. You're up next. What did he do? He walked out where he was to preach what he could preach in this moment. How many of you, it's so easy to get stuck into the bigness of the call that we miss that our family is waiting to hear the gospel from us. That, you know, you might want to change your workplace and see that transformation happen. Have you, have you tried to change the one that's sitting right next to you? In your home group, there's not another home group you have. What are you seeing God do in your home group? What are, you, are you being faithful to the now kingdom assignment that is right in front of you? Do you know what happened when Paul got kicked out of Damascus? He went to Jerusalem. Do you know what he did? He started proclaiming Jesus in Jerusalem. Do you know those defining words that we talked about will anchor you that no matter if your situation changes or your circumstances changes, you'll still be able to release the sound of heaven. The defining word from God is so important. Can we pray for the ability to see your now kingdom assignment, your defining words, your giftings, your dreams, your passions? The more you do all three of these cycle points, the more we're going to see God seriously come on earth as it is in heaven. This morning, my prayer is that we can begin to understand that by us getting the kingdom in us, by us developing that, and by us being faithful to our now kingdom assignment, we will truly see that. Let's pray. Father, We want to be obedient to what you're calling us to do. Jesus, I thank you that our burden is light. Our yoke is easy, Father God. 
that this is not a striving in our own strength, but this is a resting in your strength, but being faithful to the very fabric of why you created us. Father, may there be a new understanding that we are a chosen instrument, that you've actually prepared works beforehand for us to step into. Jesus, may we grow in our worship of you so that everything else seems so small in comparison of what you're asking us to do. May your your bigness, your love, your mercy, your grace, may we be so enamored with it that we then step out and want to share it with others. Father, will you commission, will you send, will you equip your people this morning? In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.